0: Let me begin today by saying thank you for being here for the final session in this five-part series. And let me see a show of hands, how many of you have been here for every session? I don't know where the rest of you all have been. (laughs) July is usually the lowest attendance month of the year. And we kind of expect it because, uh, you know, people travel, they take vacation, kids are out of school, and we fully understand that. But something happened uh, this year. Uh, It's not the lowest. There are five Sundays in July. We averaged 1,100 people per week in July. And and it's not about the attendance issue, It's, it's this. I believe that this message is crucial, and it's urgent, and it's timely. And God assembles the body, not us. We don't know how to do that. And this word needs to go out because time is precious. Today, we are at war. We are in a spiritual battle that's raging in the heavenly realms, and you and I are living on the front lines of that war. This war is not for territory or the earthly thrones of men. No, this battle is between God and Satan. And I know that that's hard to comprehend. But it's real. This battle began in heaven, not on the earth. Truth is under attack. Truth is under attack. The church is being marginalized and mocked. The battle is intensifying and I'm telling you, it's going to get worse. The church and the truth that the church represents is being censored. It's being censored in a country that once offered freedom of religious expression. And it looks like we will soon see persecution. For those who hold the truth up high as truth. It's hard to imagine that here. I want you to remember something as we enter this final session. Satan is the current ruler of this present world. Nobody wants to say that. No one wants to acknowledge that. But he is. Today, some of you see it. And some of you probably don't. See what? That we are in a spiritual war. The purpose of this five-part series was to prepare the church to survive the spirit war and stand before God on the last day as one of his blood-bought children. That you and I can be a child of Abraham. You and I can be an Isaac. These will be the children of God that will survive and stand before God on the last day. We, the true church, have been commissioned by our king, our commander, to go and make disciples, to baptize them and to teach them every command of Christ in the Bible. We have been commanded to teach the word. The great commission is clear. Go make disciples and teach the word of God. We are to remain on offense. No matter what happens in the spirit war, we possess the sword of the spirit. There may be times in which we have to back up and go on defense, but only for a moment. And then we get the sword of the spirit and we advance again, no matter what it costs. We will all stand in front of this great king one day and give an account. So let's prepare ourselves for the spiritual battle that's raging all around us. Not just to survive. The title of the sermon series is Surviving the Spirit War. But I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I want to thrive inside this. Why do I say that? Because I'm convinced, and it's one of the reasons why I brought up that we're averaging 1,100 people in the lowest month of the year traditionally, is why this could be the greatest hour of the church. This could be the greatest hour of the church. And the reason I say that is when it is the darkest is when the light is most powerful. When people feel the most despair is when they can see the hope of Christ. This is how the Apostle Paul closes his letter to the church at Ephesus. I've started every session with it. I don't know how you can make this more clear than this. Ephesians 6.10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Why? Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against whom? Against the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and evil authorities. Where are these based at? They're in an unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world. You're fighting against evil spirits in heavenly places. I've told you this past four weeks that all creation is racing toward a single event. All creation. It's not just on earth because the war is not just on earth. It's it's in heaven and it's on earth. What? Racing toward a single event which the The children of God are going to be revealed. The legitimate children of God. Those who have been made one with Christ will be revealed on the last day. I want you to notice in this next scripture. I'm going to be in Romans 8.18. It's written to the Gentile church. And it begins with what? It begins with there will be suffering. Every war has Suffering. And you're in a spiritual war, but it ends in victory. So here we go. Verse 18, what we suffer now, I I don't know what you're going through in this life right now. I, I don't, I know sometimes it's really hard when you experience the death of loved ones or sickness or great loss in your life. Whatever you suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. Somebody say hallelujah. I don't know what it is you're going through, but you got to know that this is truth. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who His children are. Can you imagine that day? He reads off the list in the Lamb's Book of Life. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and glorious freedom from decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also, we groan. Listen, we're all groaning. Inside of us, there's something. The Spirit inside of us is groaning. Even though we have the Holy Spirit, I'm still groaning. I have the Holy Spirit. I have Christ in me, but I'm still groaning with. Even though I have the foretaste of future glory, I'm still groaning. Why? For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. I'm in the flesh. You're in the flesh. You're. And even though you have the Holy Spirit inside the flesh, you groan because you long to be the bondage to finally be broken. The sin and the suffering of this flesh. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children. Say hallelujah. Full rights as adopted children. We will become Isaacs. Even though we're Gentiles, we're going to become Isaacs under, the, under Abraham as the children of God, including the new bodies He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Did you get yours? We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently I'm pretty sure it was back in 2006, that'd be 17 years ago, when I heard a preacher speak at an Ichthus concert in Wilmore, Kentucky. His name was Johnny V. And in that sermon that night, he used a World War II illustration to make the spiritual and the physical realities combined. So powerful was that scene that I came back months after that and I wrote something that I want to use in some way. I've updated everything for today in this spirit war. Why? Because today I want to prepare you. I got one last session to do that. So that you might remain strong, surviving, and thriving in this worldwide battle for the souls of man. Because I'm telling you, whether you know it, whether you want to acknowledge it, whether you want to cover your eyes and say, I wish you wouldn't talk about it, we are in a worldwide spiritual war for the souls of mankind. Who will be the legitimate children of God on the last day? Who will be the children of Abraham? Who will be the Isaacs? I'm going today to reveal the details of World War II so that you might visualize the conditions and the realities of war. I've said we're in a spirit war, spirit war, spirit war. I want you to understand that the physical war and the spirit war are going to collide in the same reality. They have an ending. Does anyone here today still doubt that we're in a, actually in a war, a spiritual war for the souls of men? After four sessions, a battle between good and evil, a battle between light and darkness. This war is not new for us. Don't think that we're the only ones that have ever experienced the spirit war. It began in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve and the serpent. So let's fast forward in this introduction to the time of Daniel about 2,500 years ago. The prophet Daniel talked about the spiritual war of his day and the one that would come at the end of days. Listen carefully. In Daniel, two things are revealed. A war that was present tense for him, but he also reveals the end of days war, which would have application for us today, 2,500 years later. Let's begin in Daniel 10.1. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future. Times of war and great hardship. War, great hardship. This vision that he received was so overwhelming that he had been in great mourning for three weeks. Just seeing this vision affected his health. And he was in despair for three weeks. And then God speaks to Daniel about the unseen spiritual war. Not just present tense for Daniel, but in the future for Daniel, he reveals the spiritual war. Now, he's already sick just from seeing it. And then this happens. Let's go to Daniel ten twelve. And Gabriel is coming to speak to Daniel on behalf of God, okay? And then he, Gabriel, said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. So let's start there. Daniel started to pray, and as soon as he started to pray, God heard his prayer, okay? So Gabriel's making it important that Daniel understands that even though there might have been a delay in the answer, he heard you in the beginning. Here's the second point. I have come to an answer to your prayer. So Daniel might say at this point, but where have you been? I've been praying for a while now. Verse 13. But for 21 days, listen carefully. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Do you think there's a spiritual battle raging? For 21 days, the spirit prince of Persia blocked my way. Then help came. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. Gabriel, the messenger angel. Michael came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit. I left Michael, the archangel, there with the spirit prince of Persia, of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people, that's Israel, in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. There was a spiritual power. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. Persia today would be the nation of Iran. There was a spiritual power that was fighting against God's messenger. Able to block him. Able to block the, the angel Gabriel for 21 days. Can can your mind grasp this? Do, do do, Do you still struggle with around us is a spiritual war for the souls of mankind? He doesn't want Gabriel to bring the message to Daniel. So for 21 days until Michael shows up, one reason I named my son Michael, the archangel of God came to help him. That same time, Of spiritual battle with Michael is revealed. The same type of spiritual battle with Michael is revealed by the Apostle John in the Revelation. But this time, the adversary is called out by name. He's not called out as the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, he's the dragon. So, let's go to Revelation 12.7. Are you struggling with there's a spiritual war raging around us in the heavenly realms? Revelation 12, 7, then there was war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. Did you know there's war in heaven? Most people don't like to think about heaven as a place of war. We think about it as a place of peace and calm. But there's war in heaven. The spirit war didn't begin on the earth. Michael has angels. And the dragon has angels, and they are at war. This is a spiritual war that's raging in the heavenly realms. And does this heavenly war have any impact on us today? The very fact that it took 21 days for Gabriel to get to Daniel, even though God heard the message in the first day, ought to tell you there's a battle that's raging around us as well. In this same scene, in the same scene, the dragon was specifically attacking whom? The dragon is attacking the offspring of the woman, which is representative of Israel. And all who hold to the testimony of Jesus, which is representative of the church. He's attacking Israel. The dragon, the spirit war, is attacking Israel and the church. Let me read it to you. Verse 17. And the dragon was angry at the woman. There's Israel. She's giving birth to a child. That's the Messiah. He's angry with the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, Israel, the Jewish people. All who keep God's commandments, and here comes the church, and maintain their testimony for Jesus. There's the church. Who's the dragon angry with? Who is he after? Israel and the church. Do you believe we are in the final days of this great spiritual war? A final days countdown. I do believe that. Will you be strong enough to survive in this great spiritual war? I have spent four weeks, four Sundays, five counting today, trying to make sure that everyone will be equipped With the truth that will enable you to be a survivor of this great spirit war. Here's how Paul describes it. He says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Why? So that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Will you have oil in your lamp when the door opens? And the bridegroom comes. When Jesus gives his description of the last day, he describes it in this way. There were were bridesmaids that had gone out and they they didn't have a—there were 10 of them and five of them didn't have enough oil. So there was an announcement. And what was the announcement? And by the way, the announcement comes in advance. So it gives them a warning in advance. The bridegroom is coming. But he didn't come immediately. But the bridegroom was coming, so everybody knew the bridegroom is coming, right? But then they got tired, and they got distracted. And some had prepared for the long haul, and some had not prepared for the long haul, and they ran out of oil in their lamps. And then the bridegroom came, the day came, and the door opened. And when the door opened, five of the ten, it's not good math. Five of the ten went through the door. Whatever your theology is, the truth is five of the ten went through. Five did not. It's not good math. The door closes. And those on the outside knock on the door. We're ready now. But the door did not open. He said, I don't know who you are. That's Jesus' description of how this war ends. Will your name be listed in the Lamb's book of life as one of the blood-bought children of God on the last day? Will you be an Ishmael or will you be an Isaac? Now listen carefully. I've said for a long time now, you can become an Ishmael. Ishmael is just this picture of what it is when a substitute takes your place on the altar of death. That a lamb takes your place on the altar of death. Will you be an Ishmael or an Isaac? So let's begin this final session in surviving the spirit war by looking back at the events that led up to World War II. The physical battle that can help us understand the spiritual battle today. And by the way, do you think World War II was only a physical war? I want you to think about that. Do you think World War II was just a physical war? What about this? Is it interesting that Hitler, during World War II, tried to kill the Jewish people? In fact, he did kill six million of them. So, I want you to hold that in answering the question. Do you think World War II was a physical-only war? It had nothing to do with the spiritual realm. Then why did Hitler try to kill the Jewish people, eradicate the earth of the Jewish people. And as I say that, let me quote that scripture again. And the dragon was angry at the woman, Israel, and declared war against the rest of her children. Do you see it? It's a spiritual war. World War II was a spiritual war. On July 29th, 1921, At the age of 32, Adolf Hitler took control of the Nazi party in Germany. On January 30th, 1933, Hitler is appointed Chancellor of Germany. And on March 23rd, just three months later, he assumed a dictatorial powers, absolute authority. He was given absolute authority as the ruler of Germany. Five years later, on March the 12th, 1938, Germany invades Austria. Soon to follow was Czechoslovakia and Poland. A world-changing event happens next. On September 3rd, 1939, Britain and France declare war on Germany. Eight months later, Germany invades Denmark and then Norway. On May 10th, 1940, the German army invades France, Belgium, and the Netherlands. A few days later, Holland, Belgium, and the Netherlands capitulate to the Nazis. And I want you to understand that word capitulate. It capit- capitulate is to surrender after negotiation. It is to surrender after you make a negotiation. But basically what it means is that These three countries, Holland, Belgium, and Norway, ceased to resist the German army. They ceased to resist. They capitulated. On June 14, 1940, Germany captures Paris, and eight days later, France capitulates to the Nazis, and the Battle of Britain begins. Nearly two million French soldiers were taken prisoner at that time. An estimated three hundred and ninety thousand French soldiers were killed. 300, excuse me, thirty-five thousand German soldiers died during that invasion into France. All of Europe in this moment, all of Europe hangs in the balance. The fate of the entire world is at stake as a madman named Hitler sees his seemingly unstoppable war machine cross across, go across Europe all the way to the English Channel. All he had to do was capture England. Do you understand? All he had to do was capture England and all Europe would belong to him. With France gone, all he had to do was take England. But not everyone was willing to capitulate. Not everyone was willing to cease resistance. Not everyone was willing to quietly watch as evil marched across Europe. In France and in all across Europe, an underground resistance began to rise in the midst of the battle. There were many who openly stated and lived out this truth. I would rather die than give my allegiance to Hitler's Germany. I would rather die. The people in occupied France and much across Europe began to separate themselves into three categories. And here's the point today. In the time of war, there was a natural migration of the people into three different groups. The first group are the collaborators. The second group is the resistance. And the third group are the neutrals. The collaborators, the resistance, and the neutral. Let's begin with the collaborators. Collaborators in Webster's Dictionary is to cooperate with, to willingly assist an occupying force, to willingly, to, to willingly assist an occupying force. But basically, my definition is this. You just cease all resistance. You just go along. Whatever's happened, it happened. You just go along. These collaborators were willing to accept Hitler as their king and ruler, their Fuhrer, to cease resistance. Maybe they didn't really like Hitler. Maybe they didn't like his politics. But the truth is this. Listen carefully. They were unwilling to stand against his powerful army. It doesn't mean that they liked it. It just means that they were unwilling to stand against it. And they became collaborators. They ceased resisting. These were willing to fall in line with whatever Hitler said Why? So that we can maybe just get things back to normal. They just want normal. Let's get back to normal. We'll go along. We'll get back to normal. Maybe it was because of fear. But many, many, because they actually agreed and liked his socialistic policies. When I was in Israel back in June, church group went to Israel in June, we visited Yad the Holocaust Museum there in Israel. And when I was there, I, I walked through and, and to see the Nazi Germany destruction of 6 million Jewish people when the dragon who was angry at the woman was being played out on the earth. And there was a picture that just caught my eye. I'll show you the picture. It was a picture of the church in Germany, Heil Hitler. The church in Germany that was supposed to be standing under another king and another kingdom had yielded to a false king and a false kingdom. And their allegiance, their failure to stand led to Hitler's power. The church that was supposed to be the light holding back the darkness went along and became darkness itself. But not everyone... There was another side to the story. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German Lutheran pastor. And he did not capitulate. And he did not collaborate with Hitler of the false kingdom. Bonhoeffer spoke publicly against Hitler's message. Understand Hitler's message included euthanasia. Be careful, church. Euthanasia was one of Hitler's policies. So the church, Bonhoeffer, spoke out against him. He also spoke out publicly. He does this publicly. He speaks out publicly against the genocidal persecution of the Jews, about the death camps, and about pulling them out of their communities and shipping them off. He spoke out publicly. The the church overall wasn't speaking, but Bonhoeffer did. He was arrested. In April 1943, he was imprisoned for one and a half years. Later, they hanged him by the neck and killed him. Why? Because he spoke against Hitler's policies. Now, I started this morning by telling you that we are at war. There is an enemy that has taken control of the kingdom of men. Right now, today. I'm not talking about World War II right now. There is an enemy that has taken control of the kingdom of men. He is an occupying force on this earth. His name is Satan, the great dragon. He is the current prince of this dark world. Some of you are struggling with this idea. Some of you are struggling mentally to grasp this spiritual reality around us. But Satan has at least for a season taken control of this territory called earth. He has taken the title deed of planet earth, listen carefully, he took it from the first Adam. The name Satan actually means what? Adversary. He is the adversary of God and the enemy of the true king, Jesus. Let there be no doubt today that Satan is the prince, the ruler of this world. Right now, today, he is the occupying force of this world that you and I live in. He is our modern-day spiritual Hitler who desires to conquer the world and bring in his hatred of the Jewish people, the church. Anything that is of God, he is against. Jesus himself declares Satan to be the present ruler of this world. In case you're struggling with this description, Jesus himself declares Satan as the ruler of this world. In John 14, 30, Jesus said, I don't have much more time to talk to you. He was getting ready to go to the cross. Because the ruler of this world approaches But he has no power over me. Do you see the war? There is one who is coming. The ruler. He'll be the ruler of this world. But he has no power over Christ. Why? Because Christ is higher. He is greater. Can you see it? The spiritual war. The battle between good and evil. There is an occupying force. And the battle is between Satan and God. Today, just like World War II, many, yes, even in the church, have just capitulated. They have ceased to resist this adversary named Satan. Here's what it looks like in modern day terminology. Let's just go along so we can get along. Let's just go along so we can get along. Many have unknowingly become collaborators with Satan. They are willing to just go along with this simplistic idea that if we go along, we'll just get along and everything will smooth out, we'll get back to normal. Many have unknowingly done so. For them, the battle seems too big. It's too big to win Or maybe they even agree with the earthly promises of this adversary. But either way, there's no longer any resistance. It's just surrender to the dark king. It's just surrender to the dark kingdom. Yes, even in the church. I get it in the world, but I don't get it in the church. This go along to get along ideal. Understand that that also took place in World War II. They were called collaborators. But I told you there were three groups. Here's number two. They were called the resistance. These are the ones that refused to pledge their allegiance to the adversary, Hitler. They refused. They didn't just do it quietly. They would publicly refuse. These are the ones on earth that would rather die than the surrender to the invading ruler. They would rather die than surrender to this occupying force, this false king, this false kingdom. I'd rather die. Before the 1960s hippies stole it, this peace symbol was used as a powerful tool in France inside the resistance. The French resistance used this symbol I'm holding up. It was a symbol of peace, and it was also a symbol of the resistance and the rebellion against Hitler and the Nazis, what they called the occupiers. Late at night, the resistance— would go out and paint this symbol, right, like this. They would paint this symbol on trains and bridges so that when the Nazis would wake up the next day, they would know that there's a group of people living in this area that will never surrender and they will never capitulate to you. They will always resist you, always. That's what the symbol meant. Between April and May of 1944, this resistance destroyed 1,800 railway cars, railway engines, excuse me, trains that were being used to move the Nazi war machine across Europe. The French had a phrase of encouragement that they would use to each other, viva la resistance. That's about all the French I know, by the way. (laughs) Viva la resistance. It means what? Long live the resistance. Well, you know what it was? We will never surrender to you. You may occupy our land, you may have taken over our commerce, you may have taken over our industry. We will never submit to you. Never. What they were saying is, we will never surrender to this false King Hitler, we will never surrender to his false kingdom we will never surrender to you. So what does this have to do with the church in 2023? What do collaborators and the resistance have to do with us today? Can we actually compare this physical world war to our present day spirit war? Listen carefully. Today's battle has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans, conservatives or liberals, the right or the left. These are just pawns in a spirit war that has originated in heaven. Satan would like to make us think that our battle is between flesh and blood, between Democrats and Republicans. Satan would like to make us think That the battle is between us. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. Is anybody listening? Paul made it clear. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people or political parties. It's not an earthly war. So you can't fix it with earthly power. We need the whole armor of God. You have been given clear instructions. I have been given clear instructions how to survive this war. We need the whole armor of God. Our king has told us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We are countercultural. This battle is not with people. This is the trap of Satan to get us to fight against each other so that we never recognize him as the ultimate enemy. You, the church, won't need to blow up any train cars. Just hold up the truth, the sword of the Spirit. This doesn't mean, listen, somebody will misquote me. This doesn't mean we go along with evil. We stand against evil. We hold up the truth about evil. It doesn't mean that we go along to get along. It's the opposite. We always stand on the side of truth. That in itself will be the battle. Do you understand? All of this will come to this. Truth. What is truth? What is the source of truth? Because truth has a name. Truth is a person. The word of truth is Jesus. So what is this World War II example supposed to teach us today about surviving the spirit war? I'm here to proclaim to you a simple truth. It took five sessions to get you to this place. Here it is. The true church of Jesus Christ is the resistance. That's who we are. We are the resistance in this war. We are the one thing, we are the one power that stands between Satan and his desire to rule this world. One thing, and he knows it. Why is he angry? Why, why in Revelation was he angry at the woman's child? Why is he angry at Israel? Why is he angry with those who hold to the testimony of Jesus? Because we are the one thing that prevents him from world domination. We are the light that holds back his darkness. We are the salt of the earth that preserves and keeps him back. We, we know the truth. We reveal the truth about the lie and the father of lies. In 2 Thessalonians 2 6, it says, And you know what's holding him back. Do you? Paul's writing to a church. Do you? Do you know what's holding him back? In this case, he's talking about the arrival of the Antichrist, who will, listen, who will rule the world. And he will rule the world how? In the absence of the church. We are the resistance. We know what's holding him back for he can be revealed only when his time comes for this lawlessness is already at work secretly. And this lawlessness of Satan will remain secret until what? Until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. That's the rapture of the church. We are the light of the world. We are the resistance that is holding back his darkness. And the battle is going to become increasingly ugly in the days to come. The battle is for truth. The battle is for truth. What is the origin of truth? What is the source of truth? I believe what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this earth. But there are people on the other side, there are people on the other side that believe that they can define their own truth, that the truth comes from another place, another source. Hitler tried to bring a truth into Europe. The resistance stopped him, or at least fought against him. This LBGTQ movement, this gender identity war this abortion issue. These social issues that are uh, coming into our country right now. You need to understand that it is in itself a battle of truth. It is a battle about truth. What is truth? I hear Pilate asking Jesus, what is truth? What, what is it? Is there a source of truth? In other words, can, can a person become his own God and dis- decide his own truth? Can can you this whole gender thing and the LBGT thing and the abortion, it's all an issue about truth. And you need to understand something. They're not the enemy. They have fallen victim to the enemy. They in themselves are not the enemy. We don't fight a flesh and blood war. We're fighting against principalities that have deceived people about the issue of truth. We are the resistance, and we've been commissioned by our king to hold our position and carry out his orders, his great commission, until he returns. Do you believe that? And what is our commission? Tell the truth. Turn on the light. Tell the truth. That's our commission. We are to remain on offense Not just to survive, but thrive in the spirit war of the last days. How? We we turn on the light and tell the truth. To carry out the Great Commission. We stand our ground. We hold our position. We advance into the darkness, holding up the light of truth. But there will be opposition because we are at war. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, now listen, do not read over that sentence. It's all mine. I have been given all authority where? In heaven and on earth. Both. Then when will he exercise that authority? Soon. 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 So what do we do while we wait for him to exercise this authority on the earth? Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. We're on offense. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's why the Apostle Paul told us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. The true church of Jesus Christ will never collaborate with this false king named Satan. We will not negotiate with him or accept his offer of worldly wealth. We will not accept his offer of worldly pleasure. The true church will never surrender the truth. Do you understand something? And I'm watching the church surrender the truth. And I see that picture at Yad Vashem in Israel where the church was, high Hitler! What they were really doing was bowing to the dragon. They were surrendering the truth to go along, to get along. But the true church will never surrender the truth for a lie. The true church of Jesus Christ will never capitulate with this false king named Satan. We will never, we will never, we will never stop resisting him. Why? Because we are the resistance. The true church will never surrender to Satan. Why? Because he is not our king. We have a king. We bow to a different king. Our king is the king of kings. We will die before we give our allegiance to this false king. Why? And I want everybody to pay close attention. We will die. The true church will die before we give our allegiance to this false king. Why? Because to give your allegiance to this false king is eternal death. You will be dead forever. Forever. When you bow to this false king, you may die physically in the battle, but the resurrection into eternal life is forever. We will die before we give our allegiance to this false king and his promise of a false kingdom. Why? Listen carefully. Satan tried and failed to get our king Jesus to bow down to him, but he failed. Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of this world if Jesus would collaborate and capitulate with him. But Jesus is the resistance. Do you understand this battle in heaven and on earth? Jesus is the resistance. And those who belong to Jesus belong to the resistance. Our king would never bow to Satan. So we can never bow to him either. Because Jesus lives inside of us. We can't bow to Satan Our allegiance is to the true king. His name is Jesus. Say his name out loud. Say his name out loud. He is our king. And what would the resistance, the true church look like today in this world that is ruled and occupied by a false king? This is the survival of the spirit war. 1 Timothy 6.11. Listen carefully. But you, Timothy, you're a man of God. So run from these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight. Here's the war. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey the command without wavering. Then no one will find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For at just the right time. I love that sentence. For at just the right time, Christ will Be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die. And he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever and amen. I told you earlier that there were three groups of people that formed in France when they were invaded by Nazi Germany. The collaborators, they ceased resistance. The resistance, they would die before they stopped resisting. And then there was the third group called the neutral. Can you really be neutral in war? Many believe they can be. In France, the neutral were those who, they were the ones that refused to join the resistance, but they also refused to be collaborators with the enemy. They didn't want to be in the resistance, but they didn't want to collaborate and capitulate openly. So they thought they'd just stay in the middle. They thought they would do a wait and see who won the war and then join them. Not a bad strategy if it would work. Let's just wait and see who wins the war and then we'll be a part of that. Listen, I've heard people over the years say something like this to me. Preacher, I don't really buy all that stuff you say about the rapture of the church. But, you know, if one day day I look around and you're gone and a bunch of those believers are gone... At that point, I'll just jump in. I'll just play the role of neutral. I'm really not buying this whole thing. But, I, you know, I'm paying attention. And if one day a bunch of you all are gone and things get really bad on the earth, I'll just jump over to the other side. Let me just stop for a moment and say, if that's your survival plan, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Because I'm going to show you in a few minutes that it doesn't end well for neutral. You see, the neutrals, they were unwilling to fight for what they believed because they didn't really know what they believed. Listen carefully to that sentence. They were unwilling to fight for what they believed because they really didn't know what they believed at all. Today, like France during the war, there are many that are neutral in the spirit war. Can't we just get along? Why do I have to choose sides? And and one of the feedbacks that I get in ministry after 30-something years is, why do you have to bring that up? I get that a lot. Why why don't you just don't talk about that topic? Why why do you bring up LBGT? Why why do you bring up abortion? Why do you bring up gender? why, Why do you bring that up? Because we're at war. We're at war. Why do you got to bring that up? And today, I make a point specifically. I bring it up today to make sure you understand that those caught up in the LBGT movement, they're not your enemies. They're not your enemies. The one who has led them into the darkness is your enemy, not them. We're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to hold up the light of truth to them so that they might find hope and salvation. They're not our enemy. So let me ask you a question today, spiritually speaking. Can you be neutral in a war between God and Satan? Can you be neutral in a war between God and Satan? It's interesting to me that our car transmissions have a neutral. Interesting. Which means you're going nowhere. Neutral means you're going nowhere. In the book of Revelation, Jesus talks about a church that attempted to remain neutral. Every time I think about this, I have a hard time containing my emotion, and here's why. This is written to a church, and the reason this is heavy on me is the reason for this five-part series. There are more than likely, there are more than likely people sitting in this room today that you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. There are more than likely people watching me online right now that you are not going to survive this war. You will be lost. And you will be lost because you were neutral. And why do I say that? With authority, why do I say that? Because Jesus describes the church at Laodicea in that way. A church. Not pagan unbelievers. He describes a church. Here's how he puts it. Revelation 3.14. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. The church. This is the message from the one who is the amen. Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do. Let that sink in for just a moment. (laughs) I know who you are. Collaborators, resistance, neutral. I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth." What do you think it means, I'll spit you out of my mouth? You won't survive. You're lost. There were three groups of people in France in 1944, collaborators. They're all in this scene collaborators. They were the cold. Let's go along to get along. They're cold. And then there was the resistance, and they're hot, refusing to bow to another king. I'll die before I bow to you. They're hot. The collaborators are cold. And then you've got the neutral, the lukewarms, who thought they could wait and see. They thought they could play it in the middle. Let's just wait and see how the thing turns out, and we'll join the winner's. I'll have time to join the winner. Let's see who wins. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And then D-Day came. A D-Day is a day that would change the world forever. On June 6, 1944, American and allied forces hit the beach at Normandy. It's called D-Day. It was the turning point in the war. Germany would lose France and the allies, and Germany would never, excuse me, and they would lose France to the allies and Germany would never recover. France was liberated, set free from the false king, the occupying force, and the promise of a false kingdom. There is an interesting thing about D-Day. Everybody listen carefully. That day came... For the, D-Day came for the collaborators, and D-Day came for the resistance, and D-Day came for the neutral. It didn't matter which group you were in, D-Day came, and D-Day's coming. Doesn't matter which group you're in, the last day always comes. The French resistance, here's the result of World War II. The French resistance came out of the shadows on D-Day. I encourage you to go look it up online, some of the pictures that just give you cold chills. These people that had fought the Germans underground for all those years, they came out of the underground places, and they jumped on top of the American tanks and rode them into France celebrating, into Paris celebrating some of the most incredible scenes. See, they were on the right side when D-Day came. The collaborators, those who had capitulated to the Germans, they stopped resisting and went along. you know what they did to the collaborators in France? They suddenly, quickly took them to the gallows and hung every one of them by their necks. D-Day came. What about the neutrals? They lived the rest of their life in horror and fear, guilt horror and fear the rest of their life here's my closing to this five-part series today i repeat my main point for this entire series we are in a great spiritual world war people are dying in the spirit war because of the lack of truth truth has a name Today's battle has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans, conservatives or liberals, the right or the left. They are only pawns in the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Satan would like to make us think that our battle is between the people of the earth. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against political parties. Humans didn't start this war and humans will not be able to stop this war. We need the Son of Man. We need the Son of God. We need the last Adam to undo what the first Adam did. We need Jesus. His name is Jesus, and He alone has the power to end this war, and He will end this war at the appointed time. Our King has told us to love our enemies... Do you see how countercultural this is? He told us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This battle is not with people, this is the trap of Satan to get us to fight against each other and take our eyes off of the real enemy, which is Him. The spiritual war will define the eternity of all mankind. Yes, there is an occupying force on the earth today, it is led by the dragon. His name is Satan. And if you hear me say that today and you snicker into your breath, you laugh at me, you mock at me because I say there's a dragon uh, power occupying the world today. And you say, ha, 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 ha. You will do so at your own doom. At your own doom. Laugh. you collaborating with him right now if you deny Christ. And there is no neutral. This adversary is Real. This war is real. And the outcome of this war has already been decided and revealed to everyone who believes. Do you know that? The outcome's already been revealed to believers. D-Day's coming. I'm looking at you today and I have no apology. D-Day is coming. A day that will change the world, change mankind forever. D-Day comes for everyone. Doesn't matter which group you're in, D-Day's coming D-Day will come for the collaborators, those who went along with the evil occupying force and bowed down to the dragon. D-Day's coming. In Second Thess- Thessalonians 2 verse 8, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. He'll be the Antichrist. He's coming. But the Lord Jesus will kill him. You know in advance how it's going to end. But you'd have to be a believer, Right? But the Lord Jesus Christ will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man, the Antichrist, will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on the way to destruction. How did he fool them? Because they refused to love and accept the truth that would have saved them. And there are people in this room today, that's you. You refuse to love and accept the truth that would save you. D-Day's coming. D-Day came for the resistance. It's coming. It's coming for the resistance. Second Timothy 4-7, the apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Now the prize awaits me. Somebody say, hallelujah. (laughs) The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, oh my. It's not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Are you looking forward to D Day? I am. D Day will come for those who thought it possible to remain neutral. D Day's coming for those who think you can do a wait and see salvation plan. Joshua 24. So fear the Lord. Serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of ancestors, your ancestors' worship when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. The dragon or the Christ? Choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the God's... Your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Let me be clear on this. D-Day has no neutrals. There is a worldwide spirit war raging all around us today. There is an occupying force at work on the earth today led by the great dragon. There are only two sides to this war. You and I will choose our sides. I implore you. I beg you. Today. I don't I don't know how to, I don't have any words to be more clear. Join the resistance while you have time. Join the resistance. A lot of people have this debate about baptism. I've kind of got this recent picture of baptism as this, um, without getting into the details. I always thought baptism, we had a baptism in the first service this morning. We have baptized 27 people in July, and I didn't talk about baptism. Anybody listen? We baptized 27 people in July, and I haven't been talking about baptism. (laughs) You know what picture I see about baptism? Baptism is a public declaration that I'm changing sides in the spirit war. I'm changing sides. I'm I'm leaving the collaborators and I'm joining the resistance. And I'm doing it publicly. You know, people people in other countries in the Middle East, I read these stories about Muslims who have had these visions of Christ at nighttime. It just moves me to read that. He's calling out these Muslims. They're having these dreams, waking up, finding a church and getting baptized. Knowing that when they get baptized, they're going to they're gonna die. Or, or at the minimum, they're going to be shunned from everybody that they've ever known. And yet they do it publicly. Why? I'm changing sides. I'm joining the resistance. Yes, listen, it's dangerous to join the resistance. But you know what's more dangerous? You know what's more dangerous? is to belong to the false king and the false kingdom when D-Day comes. And the true king arrives. That's dangerous because that will last forever. I know how this world war ends. Do you? And yes, I'm saying our king is coming soon. D-Day is coming soon. Do do you know what the D in D-Day means? Most people don't. Do you know what the D in D-Day means? Day. Why why did they name it D-Day? Because in the military, it was a code word. And they used the code word so that nobody spies could ever be able to figure out what day D-Day would happen. So they just called it D-Day so that it couldn't be, spies couldn't figure out its date the day. And I think that's interesting in this analogy because I don't know the day or the hour that D-Day's coming. I know it's the day. And maybe it's today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's 20 years from now. But I know how it ends. Here it goes. Revelation 17:14. Together they will go to war against the Lamb. This will be the last battle. They'll go to war against the lamb, but the lamb will defeat them. But the lamb, he will defeat them because he's the Lord of all lords and he's the king of all kings. The dragon's going to be thrown into uh, prison. And his called and chosen faithful ones are going to be with him on D-Day. Somebody say hallelujah. His called and chosen ones, the survivors of the spirit war will be with him on D-Day. My final word in this five-part series will be the scripture that the Lord impressed upon me supernaturally on several occasions. I don't don't have to tell you about that. I'm just going to give it to you today. It begins with this. It's at the end of the Olivet Discourse and Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away but my words, my words never going to pass away. This is it. This is truth. And here's what he says. Verse 34. Put up 34. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing, drunkenness, by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. D-Day. Don't let that day get you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. But stay alert at all times and pray. You see his urgency, I let Chad to come on out. You see his urgency, but stay alert at all times and pray. Pray what? Pray that you'd be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth. But stay alert at all times and pray. I'm taking that literal. Pray that you'd be strong enough to escape these coming horrors. Number one, that would be the tribulation. If you miss the rapture of the church, you're going to live during the Antichrist reign on the earth. Seven years of hell on the earth your mind cannot comprehend, followed by hell itself. Do you believe there's a war? Will you survive the spirit war? There's one way, only one way to survive the Spirit of Christ is inside of you, making you a blood-bought child of the Most High God. There's no maybe, almost, a little bit, you're in or you're out. You're saved or you're lost. So today we're going to sing a song. It's an invitation. I have no idea what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of you, what He's revealing to you. I have no idea what that is. I know this. The hour is short. The message is urgent. The call of God is He's opened the door. I told you earlier, the math's not good. Five of the bridesmaids went in, five did not. The door closed. Are you ready for the bridegroom? Don't think you can decide on D-Day. You won't be able to. Father, we give you this series to honor you, to honor your word, to honor your name now father holy spirit draw us to you give us eyes so we can see ears so we can hear hearts that will obey you may we be the resistance you are the resistance you will never bow to this false king and because you live in us we cannot bow to him either so more lord may we be the resistance while we wait for your arrival and now today move among us, sanctify us, set us apart as yours, seal us with your Holy Spirit, mark us as those who belong to you, and sustain us by your power in the time of waiting. In Jesus' name, and amen. Let's stand.